There is a phrase that's very important to you and I when we talk about the kingdom of God to earth, and it is the day of the Lord. Many people don't have a concept of what that means, but it's very important. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about it in just a few minutes. So we're talking today, we have been talking now um, a little bit of time about how the kingdom of God comes to earth. This is such an important subject for all of us. We've talked about many things about the kingdom of God. In fact, we spent a lot of time just identifying each thing that the Bible says that the coming consummated perfect kingdom of God on the earth all of the characteristics that it will have. We went through one by one, very tedious to go through all of that, and showed what the Bible says the kingdom of God on earth is actually going to be like. So now we are talking about how the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. So uh, we mentioned that um, the we mentioned the apocalyptic books. We talked about those. We talked about the the two primary ways. Now, there was others, but the two primary ways that were the most, um, um, I started to say popular, but I, I don't mean popular. I really mean that was the most prominent in Israel was what we call the prophetic tradition. That was one, which that the kingdom of God would come through uh, time through natural resources through by natural resources I mean uh, the way that kingdoms come through force through military overthrow uh, uh, through finding ways to topple Rome and uh, Israel be the head and not the tail all of that is part of what's called the prophetic tradition. It's called the prophetic tradition because the prophets, that's one of the ways that they prophesied the kingdom was coming, actually, physically, on earth, with a, a, a real Messiah and, uh, and armies and so forth. The apocalyptic tradition is different than that. The apocalyptic tradition uh, came out of the apocalyptic books, and this is as far as we got yesterday in the apocalyptic books, uh, were books that were not uh, from the prophets, although the prophets wrote apocalyptic passages, book of Daniel and, and other passages in the Old Testament uh, are apocalyptic passages. So, uh, but there were apocalyptic books. It's a genre in the earth, all, uh, all its own. The, in fact, there are only maybe 20-something apocalyptic books in the world that we know of. There may be more, but not, not a whole lot more. And um, <clears throat> these books had certain characteristics about them. One of them that we talked about already was that they were what is called pseudepigraphically written um, in that uh, the writer, whoever it was, used the name of a particular prominent Old Testament person or prophet, 
um, and attach that name to the book as though that person had written the book. Uh, strange to the Western mind, uh, sounds like uh, plagiarism or something um, of the sort. Uh, at least it sounds like it's disingenuous, but uh, they didn't look at it like that. Those books were highly revered. Jesus was taught those books, and so were all the apostles when they were boys in classes in on Sabbath school uh, and at home by their parents. These they they were not identified as being biblical books, part of the canon, but they were identified as being books that were um, that were sacred and that had things to say that were true. And so they were primarily a mix of nationalism uh, and of prophecy uh, about how the kingdom of God would come. Well, you can see why that would happen with Israel, because national Israel in the Old Testament was prophesied to be uh, the source from which the kingdom would spring. And so there was this mix there. Uh, at any rate, these books were respected and actually, the New Testament quotes out of the book of Enoch, for example, in the book of Jude. So somebody says, well, if you've got part of those books in the New Testament, then are those books uh, as weighty as a Bible book itself, as, as a canon? Some of the stuff in there is quoted in the New Testament. And uh, the answer is no, that doesn't make those books part of the canon, nor as weighty as part of the canon. The only part of those books that is weighty as part of the canon is the part that made it into the canon. So you can say that is scripture. But the rest of those books are not scripture. They may be right. They may be true. And, it, and when you read through them, some of them are pretty, they've got fantastical kinds of things that they write about out of the spirit world. Uh, but other things they say uh, is 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 obviously, even in the practical matters, in alignment with the Old Testament. And uh, even the fantastic parts are not necessarily out of alignment, but uh, they are not taken from the Old Testament. They are understood as a result that the kingdom of heaven is come. And when the kingdom of heaven comes, the spiritual authority over demonic forces now becomes real. The people become empowered. There's so much here to talk about uh, that we can't get to all of it here right now. Uh, you need to take the courses on some of this stuff. But the people become empowered, and this is why in the Old Testament you never find demons being cast out. Uh, but in the New Testament, the, one of the first things you find Jesus doing, and then later the apostles casting out demons, and that it is a a uh, continuum of power in the church to this very day, the power to cast out demons. And so somebody says, well, but that's, that's got to be one of the most prominent ministries in the church. No, it's really not. Jesus actually said, don't rejoice that you have power over devils or demons, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And so um, it is an important ministry, but it is sort of just part of the power of God that resides in people who are spirit-filled, and, um, and, and, it, and it works, and it delivers people from these kinds of 
bondages. So anyway, um, uh, when we talk about the apocalyptic tradition, we come to another point that we need to note before we launch uh, more deeply into this. And this is, um, this is a phrase that is found repeatedly in the Old Testament prophets, which carries through all the way into the book of Revelation. This phrase does. This is an important phrase to understand if we're talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. This phrase is important to understand in many respects, but uh, this phrase signifies the time. It signifies the time when the kingdom of God will come to the earth. And there are very many interesting facts about this phrase. And the phrase is, this is the phrase, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a prominent, prominent phrase in the Old Testament and all the way into the book of Revelation. So what does it mean and what does it have to do with the apostolic church in 2023 or 2024, if God tarries, or 2025. It is about, this this phrase, the day of the Lord, is about how the kingdom of God will come to earth, even in your church or in your city or in tomorrow's church service. It ties together the intent of the whole of the Old Testament prophets. It ties together the ministry of Jesus, and it ties together the ministry of the apostles, and it ties together the book of Revelation. This phrase is an important phrase. The coming of the kingdom of God to the earth in the Old Testament is as the coming of the day of the Lord. So when you see that phrase in Scripture, the coming of the kingdom of God to earth is identified by the prophets in the Old Testament as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord was also shortened at times. I mean, the not the day was shortened, but the phrase was used in shortened form. Um, or it was spoken of in other terms, which were connected with the main phrase. For example, uh, when we talk about the day of the Lord, sometimes... Uh, it was called uh, that day, or there's sometimes it was called the last days, or the day of vengeance, or the day of affliction, or the great day of his wrath. Why are we talking about wrath and affliction? And why are we talking about it's also called the time of Jacob's trouble? Because the day of the Lord is a day first and foremost of judgment. It's a judgment on Israel for its rejection of the Messiah. They will sign an agreement with the one that came. They didn't accept Jesus. Jesus said, John 5, 43, I come in my Father's name, but me ye will not receive. Another will come in his own name, and him ye will receive. So he's talking about the Antichrist. They will accept the Antichrist. They will sign a compact of accord, an agreement with the Antichrist, a covenant with the Antichrist. And then before the day of the Lord is over, the Antichrist will break that covenant. And for the first time, they will recognize that they've been duped and that they've missed the real Messiah, and they have fallen into a great dilemma. 
This time is going to be such a day of trouble that Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 that there's never been a time in the history of the world like this time for negative, for trouble, for, uh, for doom. And so the day of the Lord is characterized first and foremost primarily by, by doom. And that's why it's called Jacob's trouble and the day of affliction and so forth. So it's a judgment on Israel. That judgment comes in the form of the Antichrist turning on them and chasing them. And Jesus talks about this. And they scatter, and they don't even have time to come off the roof to go in and pack a suitcase. He says, get out of town. And he said, woe if a woman has a new baby that she is nursing. Woe unto her. It is, it's a bad time. She's going to have to figure it out. And there's going to be, and the, even in the book of Revelation, it gives graphic descriptions of the attempt to destroy Israel. Why? Because Israel is the key by which the kingdom of God comes to earth. It's, a, it's an attempt to destroy the people of God because the people of God are the mediatorial force that brings the kingdom of God to man and man to the kingdom of God. The Bible says we are priests. And in the Old Testament, everybody was intended at some point to be anointed with uh, the spirit of the priesthood, which comes with being spirit-filled in Acts chapter 2. That was a prophecy that was made to Israel that, that this would come to them. And so a priest mediate between God and man and between man and God. It's ministry. That's what it is. It's the mediatorial ministry. Um, a dispensation of the gospel, Paul says, has been committed to me. And so uh, this, is, this is what we do. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That he's given us, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. And so God's people will have a ministry of reconciliation. But first of all, there comes for all of the, for all, for the rejection of the Messiah, judgment falls upon them. And when this falls upon them, this is, this is called all of these names. This is Daniel's 70th week. It's called the wrath of the Lamb. It's called the hour of temptation. It's called uh, the great day of his wrath. It's called the wrath of God. It's called great tribulation. And so all of these things, in fact, if you see the note in the Premier Study Bible, if you see the note in Revelation 6, 17, it lists all of these uh, titles there for you for the day of the Lord. However, the day of the Lord is not only doom. When Israel recognizes that they have been duped by the Antichrist, they will then turn to the Lord, the Bible tells us. When they turn to the Lord with total abject repentance, God will accept them, just like he accepts all of us when we turn to God with repentance. When they turn to him with repentance, he will accept them. And the Old Testament promise of the coming of the Spirit upon them will take place in a way that is unprecedented. That Paul says, if, if the blessing to the Gentile now has come by the rejection of the Jew, of the natural branch, if we've got in by that, he said, how much more is it going to be when the natural branch is embraced? And so it's going to be a worldwide uh, lightning-like turning of the world to the Christ through the ministry of 
the 144,000, which is representative of all of Israel, that accepts God. And all of these things are going to come. But, but, uh, but all of these are encompassed in the phrase, the day of the Lord. The ending of the day of the Lord, the, the Old Testament has positive things to say about it. The ending is, is their reception of the Messiah is going to be what brings the Messiah back. For example, when he came the first time, hypothetically, if they would have embraced him, the kingdom would have come right then. But they rejected him. And, and Jesus talks about that. Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a hen would gather her chicks, but she would not. They rejected him. And so there is a uh, period of time in which they have been in rebellion. And now that rebellion is a time that Daniel identifies as a time of desolation. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 24, verse 14 and 15. So here is the desolation that they are in presently. But at the end of the day of the Lord, desolation will change to blessing because when they turn to the Lord, that will trigger his return to the earth. And when he returns to the earth, he will set up the socio-political aspect of the kingdom. The kingdom's in the earth now in spiritual form. We've talked about that. That's in a previous lesson. But, uh, but it will be here in its consummating form, which is with a literal throne and with Jesus being literally visible and him literally ruling the earth. All of those things are coming in conjunction with this phrase, the consummation of the day of the Lord. 